This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Scotty, are you ready? Ooh, yes. It's a new year. It's a new us. I'm ready to laugh and laugh and laugh. UK Town cancels New Year fireworks for Walrus, only for it to masturbate and leave. (laughs) Yeah, it might be a new year, but it's the same old banana, boys. Let's get into it on a brand spanking new episode of Bananas. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. I am Kurt Brownoller. I am Banana Boy number two, Scotty Landis, and thanks for listening to the silliest little podcast there ever was. Curdy B, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. New year. I'm feeling feeling healthy, feeling on top of things. Yeah. Like today was like the first day of like getting into like some actual business, you know, for the new year, which is pretty good. How about you? That's a good feeling. Same. I feel great. I feel like this... After the last three years of just being an absolute shit yeah. show in so many unpredictable and horrific ways, I feel like this is the year. I think yeah. we all need to go back out there, have a little fun, be a little silly, be super kind to one another. You know, you could stay angry and still be kind to people. That's my whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of being angry and kind to people, what you, you texted me yesterday that you oh, were God. on a plane... Oh, God. For eight hours? Okay. 14? So, uh, yeah, you and Katie Levine, our wonderful producer engineer, texted me when I was on a plane. So I, for New Year's Eve, I flew down to Miami and Key West, which I had the greatest time. I love awesome. those cities so much, and I hope we can do... There's a little theater in Key West that you and I should do Ooh. a live show at at some okay. point. I love it. It's right where the cruise ships let off, which could be very confusing and funny for people that (laughs) just need something to do. (laughs) All right. So my flight yesterday was a direct flight. And I'm just going to say all the facts because I actually don't have anything disparaging to say. It was on a Delta flight at 8.15 a.m. to Los Angeles. We were supposed to arrive. Uh, the flight was supposed to come to LA, I think, at like 11.50 yeah, or yeah. noon-ish. It's a five-and-a-half-hour flight. So I get on, board, totally normal. We back out, and then the pilot comes on and says, guys, there is a uh, weather line coming through the Gulf of Mexico that is really dangerous, and they're not sending any planes through the Gulf of Mexico. So we have to wait to, for clearance and a new flight plan. So we wait, and then after about an hour of sitting there, they pull back to the jetway, and they say, you guys, 
uh, stay close, but you can get off for half an hour if you want. So I didn't get off because I was thinking they were just going to yeah. go. I'm going to abbreviate this story for everyone. We sat, then everybody gets back on, and we sat on the tarmac for three and a half hours. And then we, they said, hey, we need to refuel. And so they fueled. <laughs> and they said, they're going to send us up to, towards Ohio and then cut over the storm. And then that got canceled. And the temperature outside in Miami had heated up where they said, now we have too much fuel. So then they defueled us. They drove back for another hour. They took 1,000 pounds of fuel off the plane. So, at this point, we have not left Miami Airport. It's been five hours. So, I should be... We should be... refuel them. They had to defuel. It's my favorite thing. Oh, man. So, you were like, I hope the liquor's flowing. No, it wasn't. Because at, let's say, 10 a.m. So, I'd been on the plane for two hours. I went to pee. And the bathrooms were already starting to get dirty. Oh. This is, you know, 200 people, three or four bathrooms... And so I made the other decision. I was like, this is going to be a fasting day. I'm not going to eat or drink as long as I can because I'm trying to stay out of those bathrooms. Uh, another. So then we fly, and in the air, the pilot is, says, guys, we need fuel, so we're actually going to go to Salt Lake City. Where? Because this crew and these pilots you need have fuel. been... So you yes, defueled. <laughs> so you refueled, then you defueled, and then you had to refuel again in Salt Lake mm-hmm. City. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so then the captain. Also, I gotta say, there was a flight attendant named Mark, uh, who who is Miami to LA flight attendant, who was the single greatest flight attendant I've ever seen. The reason it didn't break into a full mutiny, I mean, people were getting pissed. Yeah, of there were five or six dogs. These poor no. little dogs hadn't peed for like twelve hours oh. by the time we got to Salt Lake City. So there was a little parade of dogs to the animal relief area or whatever. And we were all like cheering for the dogs like, go, guys, go take a leak. Like, (laughs) so we touched down Salt Lake City and they have to switch pilots like pilots can't be on a plane for more than 12 hours or passengers. No problem. No problem at all. (laughs) And so a few people are like, I'm getting off this plane. I'm going to go buy food. My children are hungry. You guys can't do this to us. And they were like, we're fueling and we're closing the door and we are leaving. And so then we were there for now another hour, hour and a half. Um, they didn't let people off. They did bring down like multiple sna- snack trays and just were handing out chips and almonds and stuff to everybody. Just, so then just n- chips and like no sandwiches or anything like that. Just no. like if I had no. my kids on that flight, I, I they would they would have just started ripping the seats apart. Yes. It was oh it was God. insane. The man next to me was seventy five year old, a Cuban American man. I know that because he was wearing so much uh, Cuban clothing. It was fantastic, <laughs> and he joked. He joked for fourteen and a half hours, which is how long it took me to get back to LA. He had so many jokes for everything. He was like, "What no sushi?" He kept saying, "What no sushi?" Every time they would bring chips. I love this guy. He said, "What no sushi?" More than once. I would say to every flight attendant, he said it. To everyone sitting around him, said it. And directly to me, he said it two times. What? No sushi? Are they not bringing the sushi? And I'm like, okay. So here's the greatest part. 14 and a half hours, I didn't leave the plane. Like you said, I could have probably flown to India or something in that yeah. amount of time. So when we finally... Oh, and then it's all like, say, the new pilot comes on, this great guy, Captain Prue. And he's like, 
guys, I've talked to all the supervisors. I'm going to allow everybody to deplane for an hour and eat and go to the bathroom and do whatever you want to do. And the entire plane goes, no! And he goes, what do you mean no? And they go, just take off. Just get us to Los Angeles. And so he goes, everybody sit down. This is the pilot getting on the plane. (laughs) Everybody sit down. So as little children, we all sit down. And he goes, raise your hand if you want me to take off and fly this plane to Los Angeles. And every single person raised their hand. And he goes, all right, we're flying this plane. And then he like went in, did his paperwork, and we were in the air 15, 20 minutes later. Oh, my God. That's crazy. It was... He literally just took a Democratic vote, and all of us at that point were so frustrated that we were like, just get us to Los Angeles. So I landed in L.A. at 7.45 p.m. (laughs) Pacific time. Took off at 8.15 is when uh, that plane was supposed to take off. Eastern time. (laughs) Eastern time. Here's the greatest part. So then I go down to baggage claim, and I'm waiting for a bag. And old Jokey, my my 75-year-old co-rider, walks up to me. He goes, did you check your app? I go, no. So I open the Delta app to see what baggage claim number I am. It says, congratulations, your flight landed early with confetti exploding. Because <laughs> <laughs> the flight from Salt Lake to LA got in 10 minutes early. <laughs> it was the best. Like It was oh. such a good way to end it. And he was like, early for what, next week? And then he just kept walking. I'm like, God <laughs> bless this is. man. So I had a wonderful time. I enjoyed the mutiny. I'm back. Uh, it was, you know, it was a teachable moment. If they ever let you off the plane, go off the plane. Yeah. Yeah, for real, right? Yes. Woo. Were people getting sauced around you? A few and a couple people. It was fascinating to see how people behave. For everybody that was getting angry, again, these flight attendants did an excellent job. But, like, the bathrooms were getting bad. Like, yeah. all the trash cans were getting overflowing even mm-hmm. in the wherever, the little catering area. So... But then these other people had this tactic, which was so ludicrous, where they would walk up, and I was eavesdropping, and they would be like, you guys, to the flight attendants, like, you guys need a break too, right? Like, we we can't land this plane in Salt Lake City. We got to get you guys to LA, right? Like, you guys need a break too. Like, they were like playing, like, they were like kissing ass in this way. I guess to try to convince them to go straight to LA, but we were running out of fuel. Like we had to land at a closer airport. Also, also as if like everybody's going to get together, like knock on the door and be like, tell the FAA, we're just (laughs) going to, we've all decided that no, we're just going to go straight through. Yeah, it was nuts, man. So anyways, that's how I started my new year, a 14 and a half hour flight that I probably could have driven in 30 hours. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I got shows coming up that I got to fly to, so I hope that does not happen to me. What do you got going on? What's new? What's good? Where can the people find more of you? Well, uh, before we get into this fantastic episode, I do want to say I'll be in Austin Mm -hmm. February 9th, 10th, and 11th at Cap City. So come on down. Tickets are on the Banana Gram and on my own Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to have a good time in Austin. We got a lot. We got a lot of Austin Bananimals. You guys say come do live shows all the time. So go out. See Curdy B in Austin. Teha. All right. Let's let's finally get into this beautiful story we have. This was sent in by maybe one million Bananimals. It's, <laughs> it was covered by everyone. 
already, but I feel like he can, we have to cover it because it's yeah. so perfectly us. It's fastball, yes. Um, I'm going to give credit here to Val Larry, uh, uh, who is at Val.cogs on Thanks, Instagram. Val. That's Cogs. the first time I saw it. Uh, UK Town cancels New Year fireworks for Walrus, only for it to masturbate and leave. There we and, go. And uh, this is from uh, IFL Science, uh, my favorite website. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this was written by Rachel Funnell or Funnel, whichever Ooh. you can, either or. There's two N's, two L's. You take it. Funnel or Funnel. She is the best in the biz. Very good. Um, because her her drop head for this is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll read it all together. UK Town cancels New Year fireworks for Walrus only for it to masturbate and leave. Quote, my work year is done. <laughs> Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a walrus on the shore of Scarborough, UK, in December brought visitors from far and wide to view the magnificent marine mammal Great. that was a long way from home. However, late-night visitors to Thor, as the walrus has been nicknamed, got ringside seats to an unexpected pinniped peep show, best in the biz, Very as it took good. the opportunity to masturbate. That's one way to leave a lasting impression. Thor's trip to Scarborough saw the town cancel its New Year's Eve fireworks display in order to protect the mammal, a move that was celebrated by many for prioritizing the well-being of wildlife over human entertainment. The walrus first made an appearance on December 30th, after which a cordon was set up, keep them safe. Some point during the rest stop, it seems the animal felt no pressure from the many watching eyes as it began to masturbate with a flipper. You might think the behavior crass, but it's common across many wild species. Yeah. Thor could even be congratulated for practicing some restraint as some walruses have been observed practicing oral sex on themselves. (laughs) I did not know that. Masturbation has also been observed among wild primates, horses, and squirrels. Wow, squirrels. That's nuts. (laughs) Some animals have been even been observed using objects to get the job done, like this wild chimp that got creative with a discarded plastic bottle. We do. We had had a lot of people send in a a A few of those. An article about a chimp that uses sticks. Or frogs. Sticks and frogs to remember. There was one that there were, and I was like, "That's a little. That's assault. We're not doing that one." But we have been sent that one many times. Um. Evidently, the plan to cancel the fireworks for Thor's comfort left him feeling relaxed enough to masturbate, uh, but unfortunately for the town, he had made his exit before the turn of the new year. Thor's episode of indecent exposure at a public place might have left him a little red-faced and fleeing for Blythe over 100 kilometers north. Mm-hmm. But he fared better than Freya, a walrus that was, oh, euthanized in Norway back in August. Yes, they Uh-oh. did put down Freya, which was unfair. Yeah, Freya was the one on the boats in Norway. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. cares? Let them sink boats. Who Let cares? them sink boats. Who cares? Uh, there's just two more paragraphs, but they are not important. There it is. I love that they could have had their fireworks. That's my favorite part, is that yes. it was before midnight. <laughs> well, and it also makes you really wonder about why couldn't they just go, never mind, fireworks are back on. Like, what did, did they, it seems like you set up fireworks, a pyrotechnic show, and then you, you know, wire it and get it all ready. And then you go, okay, we're not doing it because this poor walrus. But does that mean like there's just a team that started immediately breaking? Where do those fireworks go? Are they in such demand? They can't just go, let's play this out. Let's see how this goes. Right, right, right. See it's if weird. it leaves. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they were worried about all the, all the crowds gathering and then trying yes. to get that walrus to leave. True. By throwing things at him. <laughs> True. 
Uh, that's pretty cool. I went to a wedding once that had fireworks, and I could tell that the groom paid a lot of money for them because yes. he told me three times to watch the fireworks that were going to happen right before dinner, and they were very impressive, and they went insane. But then when it was over, like I, I felt a tremendous amount of pressure to look at him and be like, awesome, this was awesome. Made it memorable, worth the <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars for that 35 seconds of awesomeness. Awesome job. I also weirdly have been at a wedding where there was fireworks, but I thought they did it in a really good way. It was like after dinner, and uh, they're like, okay, everybody, like the groom now has like a thing to show you. And so everybody like gathered out, and he had a drone. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the drone had, like, a little present on it. And so he, like, flew the wow. drone up. So everyone's looking at the sky. And, like, that was his, like, trick. So he, no one knew there was going to be fireworks. So everyone's just like, right. so we all came out here to see this drone. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? And everyone's just like, is what is happening? And then yeah. all of a sudden, behind the drone, it's like, boom. And the whole sky lit up. And everyone's like, ah, oh. so you got to hide yeah. it. That's right. It. A little misdirection. Then the note dropped and said, I want a divorce. And everybody <laughs> booed loudly. No, too soon. Not fun. That's give, wild. Give me another well, good. one. Good for them. Uh, here's a fun one. Who sent this in? Angelina. Just All I have is Angelina. So Angelina, I'm sorry I don't have your Instagram handle, but thank you for sending this in. Police in Germany chase Tesla for 15 minutes after driver turns on auto autopilot and goes to sleep. There it is. Our future is sleeping in cars. It really is. This is on skynews.uk, written by somebody who know, who's never asleep at the wheel, James Robinson. Ooh, thank he you, good. James. You're the best He's good. in the biz. A Tesla driver in Germany has been accused of giving the auto in Autobahn a new meaning by no. putting his yeah I mean come on auto I guess so or automotive <laughs> yep James he's, he, he takes swings that's why we like that James Robinson at skynews.uk <laughs> uh put the auto in autobahn uh by putting his car in in control as he slept at the wheel I mean we knew this must have happened hundreds of times already and people get away yeah. with it yeah. Police claim the driver switched on Tesla's autopilot feature, reclined his seat, and caught some shut-eye while cruising on the A70 near the Bavarian town of Bomberg. I've never been to Bomberg. Mm -mm. Sounds nice. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, traffic officers say they attempted... This, <laughs> this is great. Traffic officers say they attempted to pull over the vehicle for a traffic check, but it failed to stop for 15 minutes despite police repeatedly sounding their horns. In a statement, yeah, this guy was asleep. He couldn't even hear police sirens for 15 minutes. And German police sirens are like they're the really annoying ones. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not universal. I like European sirens Isn't more. It? I think yeah. they, they did better than us. I agree. I agree 100%. They're kind of more there's fun. There's a little you bit of a, there's a little bit of a, of a, of a, um, E evacuate now feeling to the, to the yes. European one. There's an urgency like a to it. On. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in a statement, the Bavarian police force said it was noticeable that the vehicle kept the same distance from the patrol car in front uh, from the, ooh, I don't know what that word is. We'll say from the Bomberg Hoffen Junction 
but so the guy was traveling six to eight miles an hour, but he never changed the distance between himself and the police cars. Officers found that the Tesla driver was reclining in a seat with his eyes closed and his hands off the steering wheel. I don't so he wasn't it's... even faking it. Also, I I always thought that those auto pilot things needed you to have like a hand on the steering wheel or whatever i guess there's like ways around it i have no idea yeah i don't you just know taped a sausage to the <laughs> just taped a sausage to it that's one very smart way <laughs> don't give kurt an autopilot finger. car one fat finger <laughs> oh man it was germany folks all right this strengthened the suspicion that he had left uh, the controls to the autopilot and had fallen asleep. After 15 minutes, the man finally woke up and followed <laughs> the instructions of the police. Police say the man, a 45-year-old, showed, quote, drug-typical abnormalities when he oh, was approached by the officers. Wow. Okay. This guy is going to get in trouble. The force also said its officers found a steering wheel weight a device used to mimic the weight of hands on the steering wheel oh. in the footwell of the vehicle. Interesting. Yeah, so he like ripped it off and tried to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. Police said they launched an investigation into the criminal offense of endangering road traffic. The man was forced to hand in his driver's license until he appeared in court. That seems reasonable. Mm -hmm. Drivers of private cars in Germany are not legally able to use fully autonomous driving features and must remain in control of their vehicles at all times. Last May, German lawmakers announced that they had approved new rules to set down a framework for driverless cars in the future, including allowing the use of driverless shuttle buses. So they're getting ready for it in Germany, is what yeah. they're saying. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he, he, he just got jailed for something that's going to be legal in a couple years, right? It has to be, I think. If they figure out this technology, people are always like, oh, self-driving Ubers or car shares or whatever. I'm like, hell yes. Oh, I will yeah. go to bars. Please. I will drink too much. I will get in the car and fall asleep. Get in my until own car? Yes. Easy. Absolutely. Take me home, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm going to name my SUV Stephanie. <laughs> And Home, just hit a button Stephanie. and have your have your chairs turn around so you're facing the back seat. Absolutely, Hell I'll yeah. do that. That I sounds great. Interesting. I do wonder if I wonder if my kids will get a driver's license. You know, like like in oh. whatever in eleven years when Olive is able to like get a driver's license, will will she or will it just be like ubiquitous mm. at that point? It doesn't matter. Mm. Do this could be the end. Does, so when they're teaching her handwriting now, I guess she's too young for cursive, but I've been told that they stopped teaching cursive. They do, too. Not, they do not teach cursive. Yeah. No, cursive you, is she'll not. She'll probably a learn it. She's a bright little lass, but I bet. But I don't I, use it. Do you use it? Never. You use I write. Cursive? You've seen my handwriting. It's the most block straight. It's yeah, like me too. utilitarian. It's just, yeah, just chicken scratch. I don't find it any easier to do cursive. I don't know why. Slower. I, th I find it slower to do cursive, so I don't know why we learned it anyway. But I don't know. I, uh, when I was back in Maryland for the holidays visiting the family, I was driving the stretch of the highway, and then when I saw the story this morning from Angela, thank you, or Angeline, I mean, um, I had this memory driving on the highway, 695 and north of Baltimore, where I have this really good friend, Steve Sandemont. He's actually who painted that oh. painting right there behind nice. me. 
And I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but I've told a few stories about him in the past because he's just such a funny guy. But right when I got my license, and you remember this, we we all drove like insane people. Like yeah. at 16, it was a race to get to whatever place we were going. Yeah. You would play your music as loud as possible. All the girls would always smoke cigarettes out the window. And just it felt like you were on an island of freedom it was at 90 miles an hour. It was yes. wonderful. Somehow we all survived. But Steve would take it. He did this thing on this one stretch one day. I still don't know how he accomplished it. We're we're going very fast on the highway. He's in a Ford Ranger pickup truck. I'm in my little Corolla. And he pulls up alongside of me. And I can see he's on my right side. So he's close to my car. And he's like staring straight ahead and making a really funny face. And then he backs off. And I'm like, very funny bit. Makes a face and backs away. Then he drives up and I look over and he's got his socks on his hands and he's staring straight ahead not looking at me and then he fades back about 20 feet and then he pulls up alongside of me and he's got his shoes and his socks on his hands and then he fades back then he comes up and he's got nothing on his hands anymore he's just making the face again then he fades back about 20 feet this is all happening while going 80 miles an hour on 695 <laughs> then he pulls up and he's got his pants on his arms with no. his shoes and his socks no, on his no, hands no. steering his steering wheel <laughs> and then he fades away and i was crying laughing driving the danger wasn't him putting his pants shoes and socks on his arms and feet and hands it was me laughing so hard i could barely see through my tears i still don't know how he accomplished it but it was like so perfectly done it was like a comedy writer's dream come true where uh -huh. it was like everything was out of order like shoes on your hands should have come before socks on your hands but somehow he jumped to socks on his hands first uh, I gotta text him next time I'm back east I love Steve but god it was the best bit and I had like sense memory flashback of just being on that stretch of highway and going god damn that was the best bit Oh, I love that bit so much. I also, for for driving, I was just in Minneapolis in December, and it was last night yes. because I, I was planning on renting a car and, because I was like, you know what? I'm always trapped in the hotels in, Absolutely. When, when I'm doing stand-up. And so I just went to the place, I, you know, went budget or whatever, and I show up. No one's around. No one's around. It's empty. I walk right yeah. up to the counter. And I'm like, here's my reservation. And they're just like, it's an hour to wait for a car. And I was like, what mm -hmm. do you mean? <laughs> it's like, it's an hour to wait for a car. I was like, what? But I have a reservation. She's like, yeah, it's still an hour to wait for your car. Yeah. Wow. And then so I, had, I was just like, OK, I'm leaving. I, and then so I just get in a car and we, mm -hmm. I, I leave. I go home or go to the hotel. Right. But we pass by a um, one of these gas stations and it's Pump and Munch. Uh, have you ever seen a pump and munch? <laughs> well, it's a chain. Yeah, it's not what you're talking about. But yeah, right. Uh, pump and munch, and it just got me thinking about like why are regional gas stations so horny? Like horny. All, regional gas stations are so horny. Like come and go. Okay, gross. Pump and munch. TNA loves sheets. I mean, not necessarily horny, but if right. you're into that, you know. Oh, yeah. Groovin' Nuvins. There's one in the <laughs> southeast called Groovin' Nuvins, which sounds like you're bumping donuts, you know? Yeah. Lube. What's the lube? Lube. Quickie lube. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. But I mean, like, also come and go. Come and go. And even if With come and go was named. 
Right. Even if it was named in 1905, come and go was never not horny. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Come. No, no. How are you spelling it? <laughs> K-U-M? So like, come, come, but with a K? Oh, that's horny. Also, it seems like you're a little racist. I can't believe that that... <laughs> You're absolutely right. It it feels like it's the Ku Klux Klan is yes. coming inside of your car. That's that's what it feels like. Yeah. Oh God! I hope our international users, our listeners, come on into America and mm-hmm. rent one of our giant, oversized pickup trucks and fill it up at Come and Go. <laughs> and with that, I'll lead us into a break right here. Right Please do. Now. This is, when we come back, we will have the story of El Vaquita, the Chilean protest dog. Oh, that sounds so fun. I'm ready to laugh. Bananas. Folks, we are back. Scotty, do you have uh, do you have any shout outs for I the do. new year? I do. I do, I do, I do. First of all, I just went to the P.O. Box today. Bananas does have a P.O. Box. If you DM us or email us and you want the address, I'll send it to you. Send us anything, nothing illegal, or I'll call the FBI. Uh, <laughs> we got so many Christmas cards and nice mail cards. I'm talking like maybe 150 Christmas cards. Oh, my God. So I'm slowly opening them. Thank you to everybody who sent them. We also, and I don't know who sent this, but we got sent an owl pellet, which I had mentioned on the yes. Georgia Hardstark episode. An owl pellet I mistakenly thought was we dissected owl shit. It's actually they Fun, barf man. it up like a hairball. Mm-hmm. So they gave us uh, some banana animal, wonderfully sent us an owl pellet that if you think your kids would like to dissect it and find some bones in it. Oh, yeah, they would. It's coming to your house. So thank you, whoever sent that. Let us know. I'll shout you out in the future. Uh, I may have done this one before, and I'm sorry if I did, but you know what? We're going for it. Elizabeth Harper is shouting herself out for finishing a pixel crochet blanket of the Black Mage from Final Fantasy. Great. She started it five years ago. (laughs) Worked on it on and off. Now that I'm reading it, I think I did do it, but it's 39 squares by 45 squares. do it. Okay, good. Well, Elizabeth Harper, we're shouting you out for doing it. You don't even have to shout yourself out. So it was a combined 1,755 quilted squares. Wow. Congratulations. You have a passion. You have something you love. You have a hobby. Good for you, Elizabeth. Uh, Scott and Rachel are having their first baby in July, and they're claiming it's already a bananimal. So um, congratulations, you two. And they're naming the baby Olive. Sound familiar? Whoa. Beautiful name. Beautiful name. And last but not least, and Bananimals, this is, these are the ones that we really like to get. Something a little left of center. Something a little strange. Travis wants to shout out his wife, Barbara. She's taking her certification test to become an American Sign Language interpreter on February 7th in Austin, Texas. She's been working on this for four years. That's incredible. And Travis oh. is abnormally super proud of her. So good luck, Barbara. We hope you pass. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Congratulations. Isn't it strange that American Sign Language, that of, out of everything in the world, that they could not have figured out a universal sign language? That seems like something we could have figured out. Easily, right? 
It's so strange that there's di- I and I also I never even thought that Americans like ASL means American Sign Language. That means that yeah. there's like British Sign Language and everywhere African everywhere. Language. I guess every country. Who knows? I that it is fascinating that they couldn't have found. They couldn't have created that universally, but maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe there's a very clear reason why. Um, I do always like looking at those pamphlets when you travel that are like the equivalent of the middle finger in Greece is this and the equivalent of the middle finger. And you're yeah. like, oh, I just gave everybody the middle finger by giving them the thumbs up <laughs> and the OK side. Yeah, I know. Also, what I like, too, is different animal sounds in different languages like uh, like roosters. Obviously, here they go cock-a-doodle-doo, but in, in Mexico, they go ki-ki-ki. I love that. Ki-ki-ki. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Uh, all right, here we go. Let's dive back into some bananas news stories. So this was sent in by Steve Sinners. Thank you, Steve. Good uh, job, Steve. Uh, this this specific piece of information about El Vaquito, I could not find backed up anywhere. Um, th- it comes from an Instagram post from Working Class History, which is a very cool mm-hmm. Instagram page. Uh, and but I did look it up. El Vaquito does El Vaquita does exist. Um, and there's a, actually a whole history of, that I found on BlurredLines.com, El Negro Matapacos and the Riot Dogs Who Protect Protesters. Uh, oh. That mentions, is, mentions uh, a bunch of different Chilean protest dogs. Apparently it is a thing. Um, because, you know, in Chile, much like some countries, just there's stray dogs are just like everywhere on the streets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so during protests in Chile... Uh, essentially, they when the protests start, the dogs join the protesters uh, and like fight the cops. Hell it's yes, really crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, and so this one specifically on this day, the second of January, twenty twenty, residents of uh uh. Here it goes. Uh, Antofagasta, <laughs> Chile, Good enough. held a fake protest for a stray dog named El Vaquita, or El Vaquita, El Vaquita, I think, in order to mm-hmm. trick him into visiting a veterinarian. Uh, so El Vaquita, which means little male cow, is one of several famous street dogs in the country who frequently join demonstrations and protests and instinctively side with them during confrontations with the police. During one clash, El Vaquita was shot by police with a riot shotgun and injured by a pellet. That's uh, not he, nice. He would not allow himself to be captured and had repeatedly refused to be adopted so no one could take him to the vet. Uh, so instead, local people organized a fake demonstration, which he then joined, which then <laughs> led him to the veterinarian where Hell his yeah. injuries were treated. Uh, in 2019, in a poll by the local newspaper El Diario, uh, he was voted character of the year, surpass- surpassing all the humans, which is so awesome that like no one could get him out. And then they made a fake protest and then it led him right to the vets is so great. That is so sweet. My that, God. It's the That's best. Cool. So wait, did they, they memorialize this dog? Is there a statue or something somewhere? He's just still around. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's it was just so like about cool. the fake protest that got El Vaquito to the veterinary. That is so smart. That it's is like, well, that's also like dogs are, I used to, the house I live in has a dog door, but it's small. It's like for a medium or smaller sized dogs. And my friend brought a dog over once and the dog just got the zoomies and was running out my back door and through the dog door so fast 
that we stacked a bunch of solo cups up into like a giant pyramid right near the dog door. And we were like, let's just see what happens. And we opened the back door and the dog came and ran through and then crashed through the solo cups and we cheered. And the dog, it was like, it was in heaven. It was like, I was part of something I don't understand. It was really loud and scary for a second. But the humans are into it. Oh, that's so funny. I, I recently shaved Zelda, our dog. Um, and so she had, you know, nice, nice, uh, nice soft fur uh, mm-hmm. underneath. And mm-hmm. we're watching something. Uh, oh, I think we we're watching Matilda. By the way, I want to shout out Matilda the Musical. Oh, yeah? It is amazing. It, it's wow. every... Like all the songs by Tim Minchin, every oh, song really? is a banger. It's like and it like the the just everything about it is so fucking cool, and it's so great, especially if you have a little girl in the house. Olive is fucking obsessed with it. I've watched this it five times already. Um, but anyway, they for like so for some reason. I guess because of the ages of my kids, they have ignored that Zelda exists for their entire life. Like there is a dog that's just around all the time. Like Gussie loves dogs. He loves dogs, but never like uh, identifies Zelda as a dog that he loves. So strange. So strange. So strange. I shaved the dog, and then all of a sudden it was like they saw the dog for the first time, and both of them were just like petting the dog like, look at the puppy. And Zelda was just like, fucking losing her finally. mind she's like finally she's like wagging her tail and looking at us like i'm part of the family yeah, a good haircut goes a long way a there was a girl in college who got a haircut and everybody started asking her out and i was like wow that was one hell of a haircut <laughs> that was the classic 90s thing right oh yeah it was sort of that 90s cut too uh, there was a um in Florida last week, there was a news story about Brazil's former president, that real crazy guy, Bolsonaro, or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Yeah. And he had fled or he left uh, Brazil and he was in Florida at the time. And then on the cover of the newspaper I read, it was the m- most, oh God, most unflattering, yeah, most unflattering or at least flattering photo of him just housing KFC. <laughs> just. <laughs> Just eating KFC as his first meal after kind of like escaping to Florida, but like chickens falling out of his mouth. <laughs> they, <laughs> I mean, real? this, oh, I, for real, they were like, the guy got off the plane and he's like, to Kentucky Fried Chicken, we must go. <laughs> have you, speaking of uh, of fast food fried chicken, have you ever had Jollibee's fried chicken? You know, this is such a good question because I have not, but there are two that are equidistant from my house. And every time I drive by, there's a pretty significant line at the drive-thru. Yeah. So if for those who don't know, Jollibee, I think it's Filipino. I think it's a Filipino chain. Is that right? I'm not sure. I think that is right, actually. It's a Filipino-like chain. So they have just strange Filipino fast food items. And then they also have fried chicken. And 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 spaghetti. like... And spaghetti, as well as spaghetti. <laughs> it is Filipino, yes. <laughs> and so, and, and but like everybody says that this fucking fried chicken is amazing. I'm going I'm to try it soon. Well, you sometimes go up to the Eagle Rock Mall, right? Yes, where the they have one there. They ha- that's the one of the two. And there was line out the door. And I said to a friend once, because there's a Target there too. I was at the Target. My friend's like, where are you at? And he was like, oh, you got to go to Jollibee. 
And I was like, is that place good? He goes, it's so good. There's always people sleeping outside of that one. And I didn't know what he meant. I thought he was like saying something about on house people or something. So the next time I went to that weird ass mall up there under the Chuck E. Cheese, there were two grown men asleep on a bench outside of the Jolly Bee that were just waiting for their like families or whatever to go because the line was so long. But it was a funny. Op- <laughs> it really is like old men go there and they're like, "You guys go get the chicken. I'm gonna sleep on this bench right here, <laughs> right here." So bizarre. Yeah, I guess I'll do. It. I'll hit a Jolly Bee. Maybe. Well, maybe we're the first podcast in Los Angeles to get Jolly Bee as a sponsor, and I'm, we just wear head to toe Jolly Bee gear. I'm super down. Well, the interesting thing about that Jolly Bee as well is that it's directly next to a place called Seafood City that just has massive yes. amounts. Of, like when I last time I was there, there was a crab walking around. Like yes. it was, it had fallen it's out chaos. of its thing, and it was just like walking down the aisle. And I was like, I'm not touching the crab. Uh, and it's like, but there's a pervasive smell of a seafood place. Fried uh, food uh, of every kind. And also like raw fish smell. So that you're mm. waiting in line for this fast mm. food with just raw fish smell, which mm. is inside mm. a mall, mm. which is a very <laughs> strange experience inside the mall. Mm-mm. Fried chicken mm. and raw fish, baby. Ooh, that's what you want. There's a they put a raisin canes in Burbank. It's the first one, and it, there's so much traffic that they actually put cones out on Olive Boulevard. What's a raisin or, canes? It's a chicken finger joint that oh. all they make are t- uh, like four different size orders of chicken tenders. What they make a cane sauce that people go wild for. Wow. It's so popular, but next door is this place that you and I got to go. It is a diner called the Talleyrand. Yeah, the Talleyrand. And it's an old school LA sort of like sit in fake leather diners and eat pancakes and BLTs type of place. So I met this writer that I really like named Josh because he was like, let's go to Talleyrand and drink a lot of coffee and eat breakfast. I said, great. I love a breakfast. And he's like, did you know that there's a bar underneath this restaurant? And what? I was like, no, there. I did not know that. And in the Talleyrand, which is a diner, if you go downstairs, there is a full bar with old dudes, like old, like eighty-year-old dudes, not sixty-year-old yeah. dudes. Wow! And it is the best hang. They all know each other. I think they're there seven days a week, three hundred sixty-five days a year. And when you go, it's, they just kind of look at you like, hey. The bathroom's upstairs to the left, but it is my favorite new bar in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I want to go there. Imagine like if Waffle House had a bar underneath, which <laughs> I'm surprised they don't, to I'm be surprised they you. don't, because uh, then people could just go right upstairs after they're done drinking. Boy, that there's one. When I was living in Pensacola Beach, there was a nightclub called Emerald City that was, I believe, a gay nightclub, but everybody would go dance there on Fridays or Saturdays, and it was fun. I had a fake ID. You'd go get completely wasted, and then directly across the street was a Waffle House, Mm-mm-mm. and it was the greatest Waffle House experience. It was just me at 19, my, my friend Russ, who was like 22, 23, and then just tons of gay dudes and drag queens just having the time of their life at Waffle House. I like if I could turn that into a TV series or a movie or something. Yeah, I absolutely would because the jokes you would hear, people would sit at your table with you because there was too crowd. It was like, the, uh, it was so special and you couldn't recreate it. But man, I hope both of those places are still there. It reminds me of us going to Waffle House. Where were we? When we Kansas went to City. Kansas City. That was delightful. And also, I forgot. 
what makes Waffle Houses so special is that everyone at a certain time, everyone who's there is drunk and everyone's talking to each other. Yeah. It's just very communal. It's communal. Also, I, do all Waffle Houses have a jukebox or was it just that one? Oh, Curdy B. That's their main thing. That is half the main of thing. their songs are about Waffle House. Like there are all the pot. Yeah, we put on a lot of hits. We put in about ten dollars worth of jukebox songs. But the first twenty songs on the left hand side are like Waffle House is my home, Waffle House Paradise, I love Waffle House, Waffle House Cowboy. That's like their main thing. But yeah, you know why? Because you and I tried to go to Taco Bell, uh-huh. couldn't get Again, through it. Again, <laughs> this is the third time we've tried to fucking go to Taco Bell and we cannot go. It's either that there's too long of a line or that like all Taco Bells just now no longer let you inside their establishment physically. You have to have a car. That's right. And they know where we went. We drove towards the yellow and black sign at Waffle House, walked directly in, sat down. The Waffle House chef or chef... The Waffle House chef was talking to us at end, taking pride in his work. It was, uh, that was great. I love Waffle House. Next time you and I do like a driving um, bunch of shows, we just have to hit Waffle Houses. They're so yeah. fun. I love it. Give me Here's it. another one for ye. This is from Katie Frash. Thank mm-hmm. you, Katie Frash. Very Frash. cool of you. This was in stuff.co.nz, New mm-hmm. Zealand, written by Nadine Roberts. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. The Waffle House of Reporters. <laughs> Nadine Roberts is so good. A couple has been camping at the same spot since 1985, and it's 11 minutes from their home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not a real adventurous couple, I wouldn't say, but... When you find something you love, you like you just keep doing it. You just go for it. Now Here they have go. been camping there continuously. They just keep continually go back there. That's right. Okay. They they take little vacations. Which, when you and I went camping for your birthday in 2020, where was that? That little surf spot that has Leo the, Carrillo. Leo Carrillo. That was so fun. It's great. It's a perfect little spot. And if and when you stay, you just get to go to the beach the next day. Leo Carrillo, and it was like safe. It was socially distanced. We all had our own tents, and a couple of the dudes had vans. But the funniest part of that, we had a great time, was the two other guys who went with us don't drink. And you and I, it was your birthday, so we just went so hard for it. We went so hard for it. I was so hungover the next day. It was very uncomfortable. I, I was driving back home down the PCH and had the thought, I should just park and dive in the ocean to feel better. I was like, I just need cold ice water. It was a that was a banger. But that's so close to us. That's like the similar yes. to this. And also, you, it's so delightful to camp there. Uh, it's I, w- I would go there all the time. Uh, actually, we should go because now it's been raining so much here. The rivers and streams around there probably have water in it. Yes. Can you imagine? Um, okay. Couple has been camping at the same spot since 1985, and it's only 11 minutes from their home. Mm-mm. It takes just 11 minutes to get to the Bells holiday campsite from their home, and it's a trip they've been making for 37 years. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 1985, Gail, who is 65, and Russell Bell, who's 66, whoop, robbing the cradle there, Russell, <laughs> you old perv. <laughs> Spent their Christmas cozied up in a borrowed tent at Waikuku Beach Holiday Park, north of Christchurch, not far from their home in Kayapoi. 
And while they have traded the tent for a caravan, the park remains the same, according to Gale. Quote, it's just a really good family-oriented camp, end quote. Over the years, they've holidayed through the aftermath of an earthquake, the 2021 floods uh, that saw them move their campsite, and the COVID-19 pandemic. But through it all, their family and their lifelong friends have always made the park uh, constant. The couple's two children spent all of their holidays at this park, as did their cousins and friends. Sometimes we'd have up to 20 friends and family staying with us. I mean, these people really use this little place as their living room. That's awesome. Also, I, I because it's New Zealand, I bet it's amazing. I bet it's, it's truly be amazing. amazing. It's got to be amazing. Uh, sometimes we'd have up to 20 friends and family staying with us, said Gail. Now there are two grandchildren and no plans to swap the campsite for somewhere further away. Having their home so close means wet days are well utilized, as is the home shower. Oh, what does that mean? Having their home close by means wet days are well utilized, <laughs> as is the home shower and washing machine. Out in the wetness a lot, or does it mean that when it rains, they go home? What does that mean? I don't know. Wet days Having are well utilized. their home close by means wet days are well utilized. <laughs> As is the home shower and washing machine. Okay, so I think so that is their, saying. Oh, right. So so they go home. If they get wet, they dry their clothes and then come back? Maybe. Yeah. I think what they're saying is when it rains, they can just go home. And but dry that their is, clothes and then come back out, I feel like. Nadine might have lost her mind. She was so happy about this because that <laughs> is a strange sentence. Did this family hire a publicist how did they get coverage in the newspaper for this it is literally not a story it is that they have gone camping a bunch together like it's any not even family. like the 40th it's the 37th year uh, what are they doing if it was like for 50 years you go okay that's sort of newsworthy i suppose nadine is a good friend and just wanted to do this <laughs> Oh, man. But don't worry. However, Curdy B, this year the weather has been, quote, magnificent, Thank God. end quote. The wet Gale days didn't <laughs> have to be utilized. <laughs> oh, those wet days. Don't you just hate when you and Larn are out and you have one of those wet days that you can't utilize? <laughs> quote, you can just relax and chill out with a book, end quote, says Gail. <laughs> That's how the story ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that is such not a news story but golly it. day you. that's why we did it thank you katie fresh for sending that heartwarming camping tale thank you new zealand for having not much going on what a great place to, to live that. i know what a great place to live you haven't been have you no, I've never been. Mm. I'd love to go. That's a friend trip. That is a friend trip, because I know Krista and Rich have been so many times. We got to go. We got to go. Got to go get a camper van. I would love it. My That'd be God. amazing. I watched that documentary that's on Netflix about the volcano that exploded and all the tourists that had to run to try to survive from it. It's uh, it's crazy. I think it was just called Volcano. Wow. Bold I choice. Um, yeah, how did they come up with that? Volcano Netflix. Let's do the Google search. It is called The Volcano. The Rescue volcano. from Wakari. All right. Um, if you like survival stories, holy smokes. Like, 
they go up to take photos with this fuming volcano and this one woman who does survive and is in the dock was like I don't think this is safe. And everybody's like, it's fine. There's other tours here. It's fine. And then it erupts. So no way. That, Whoa. Yeah, I won't spoil anything else, but it is a pretty impressive survival story. A lot of human interest, but man, it's crazy. All right. Everybody watch it. The volcano. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to send us home for, with one? Yeah, send us home with one more. The this kids is, love the news this stories. This is delightful. Um, this was sent in by Aaron Kate. Thank you, Aaron. We love um, her or him. This was or in them. the An- Anchorage Daily News, written by David Reamer. Mm. He's a dreamer. It's David Reamer. <laughs> Here it is. You made it clean. The Anchorage Parking Fairies. How a $75 t- dollar ticket started a movement. Huh. I love this article. I'm going to oh, read almost all of it. I think I get this. Uh, Carolyn, quote, Linny Pachillo, no one called her Carolyn, was mm-hmm. born in 1959 in California. In 1974, her family moved to Homer, and she graduated from Homer High in 1977. For the next decade, she worked in the Homer area before moving to Anchorage in 1988 to manage the family's gas station, right. which became Anchorage's last independent station. Interesting. And so then they go into a bunch of stuff about the gas station. Um... I'm going to not read that because it's a long article. But Linny's fame did not come from the family gas station. Interesting, you spent so much time on it. She became a local <laughs> legend <laughs> due to parking meters. Why do they do that? Why does <laughs> every writer now have to do this? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, to parking meters. In July 1994, Linny received mm-hmm. a $75 ticket. This is where it could have started. Yes. She had recently purchased a new truck, and the previous owner had placed the renewal sticker on the wrong side of the plate. She it appealed, happens. but only got the fine reduced to $25. Quote, so I'm mad now, and I got a big mouth, said Linny in a 1994 interview with the Anchorage Daily News. The Anchorage Parking Authority had a reputation for aggressively ticketing the smallest offenses and offenses that had nothing to do with parking. And then they they say some of them, which is a lot. Yes. Um, the APA made a mistake when they provoked Linnaeus. Sheely Toomey of the ADN wrote, It's not a good idea to make the Pachillo sisters mad. They believe in revenge and have an abnormal tolerance for embarrassing themselves in public. The parking fairy concept originated with Linny's sister Susan, who grew upset with overzealous parking in- enforcement. Linny asked Courtney's customers for donations to fill expired meters. The donation mm-hmm. jar quickly filled to $86 and change, and the Pachillos donated to round it up to 100 Then Linny and Susan dressed in tights, tutus, and wings. They became the parking fairies, civic heroes who patrolled downtown for expired meters, saving locals from far costlier tickets. Linny also bought and refurbished a 1973 Cushman, a three-wheeled vehicle previously yeah. used for meter-made patrols. Mm-hmm. Thus, the newly Courtney Pink Cushman became the fairy mobile, an advantage over Anchorage Parking Authority's own foot patrols. Uh, what we did, said Lenny, in 1997 ADN interview was went downtown and we weren't allowed to leave until the money was gone. Um, blah, 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 I love about, this woman. Yeah. Lenny. So the fairies maintained their paroles, uh, patrols and the APA collected more than a hundred thousand dollars wow. in 1994 and 1993. By the summer of 1995, uh, Harbor felt pressure to make changes. Yeah, uh, this is the city making changes. Pictures of them are awesome, they're so fucking cool in this mm-hmm. pink Cushman, uh, driving around dressed as fairies. 
Uh, Linny and her sister kept going in 1996. They and some volunteers camped overnight in Town Square, filling meters to raise donations for hungry children abroad. I love this so um, much. Some assemblers, blah, blah, blah. Oh, then they got they got a... Uh, okay, here it is. Some, some assembly members like Charles Wolferth tried to court the fairies in an attempt to revive the parking authority. So the parking authority went under because of this. There was no more Great. parking authority. Finally, in September 1998, the fairies retired, mm-hmm. burning their wings in a ceremony outside City Hall. State Representative Fred Dyson presented Linny and Susan with a citation recognizing their good deeds. Uh, of mm. destroying the parking authority. Yes. Um, in 2003, the Pachillo family sold Courtney's. In 2006, Linny died at age 47 after lengthy oh. battles with muscular dystrophy and injuries from a car accident. And in 2007, state legislatures named a new parking garage in downtown Anchorage after Linny, the Linny Pachillo Parking Garage, which is located That's between great. 6th and 7th Avenues, across from the Atwood Building, and it opened in 2008 that's uh, great banana of the decade the 90s yeah banana of the decade for lenny banana of the decade also it inspired a lot of other cities to do people to do this in other cities which is pretty awesome and then and also that's what i wanted to leave this episode on it's a new year if yes. you see somebody's meter expired give them a little bump who cares if it's illegal put a quarter in there who cares carry quarters with you just for that Carry a sack of quarters everywhere you go. Sure, people will hear you coming from a block away, but you're doing a good deed. Do Pay it forward. Be your own Linny Pachillo, folks. Welcome to 2023. Thank you so much, Scotty Landis. Thank you so much, Kurt Brown Oler, my dude. Uh, keep the banana stories going. And thank you to our benevolent overlords, Karen and Georgia at Exactly Right, uh, Lisa Maggot, our full human intern, and as always, Katie Levine, our wonderful producer who makes our lives so very easy. Keep the banana mail coming. Have a great 2023, everybody. Bananas. Man. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas! Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.